Your day begins as it normally does and everything is going fine. Then you get called into the principal's office. You've been accused of bad behavior. You're now on thin ice. You're in shock. You never did what you've been accused of. And you see your future begin to dim and anger and fear bubble up inside you. What will you do now? Hello, and welcome to another exciting episode of The Paradigm Switch, where we discuss modern-day problems for modern-day Christians. By sharing our personal triumphs and struggles in our faith walk, we hope to offer encouragement for you to continue yours. The Bible says we are new creatures in Christ, but in order to be different, we first have to think different. We hope you enjoy the episode. All right, everybody. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Paradigm Switch. I am one of your co-hosts, Alex. With me is my other co-host, David. What's up, everybody? And we'd like to thank you for listening, and we'd like to you know, remind you that we're on Instagram, Facebook. Check out our social media pages, and we're also on you know, a lot of the listening platforms like iHeartRadio and Apple Podcasts, so just subscribe and listen and share. And also give us feedback in the comment sections, because we like to see how we're doing and we'd like to to make changes if we can improve it makes our day when we get something some good news it makes our day and then if you want to leave us good news that's really good because as avon says it makes our day uh but we're glad that you're listening with us today and we are going to talk about a situation that has arisen in my life uh that we think will be good to share with our believers especially as time is going on and, and things are getting you know, pretty crazy in this world, and that is what to do when faced with false accusations made against you. Yes, this is actually very hard because, to me, the key word about it is false accusations because yeah. it's one thing to be accused of something and it be true. Right. <laughs> and it's another thing when you know it's not true and you're having to fight against it and prove not just, like, you have to prove, you have to, you know, prove yourself innocent. You're already charged being guilty, and you have to, you know, now goal on the defense and prove that you're innocent yeah it's a it's an unfortunate thing that is happening i mean it happens in other countries but i think it's happening even here in the united states you know instead of it being innocent until proven guilty it does seem more and more as if it's guilty until proven innocent. i was just telling someone that about like when i watch like different crime things like on tv or someone being charged with something it's like they're automatically like guilty and now they have to go on the defense and i was like isn't this country supposed to be innocent until proven guilty supposed to be yeah but i guess that's that would be for another episode but (laughs) yeah so here we are talking about this and as i said this is something that has happened to me i have faced false accusations the fallout goes for a long time and now now this is a false accusation make it clear for the audience this is a situation that happened like you're thinking like this is going on like now like you just got accused recently not like years ago yeah this is a this is a more recent situation Mm -hmm. uh and to summarize i was accused of saying some inappropriate things that i never did and it has really uh been a uh a storm over uh, in, in life right now so, we're, so we're in the thick of this we're in the thick so this, of this is something that you're going through right now this isn't over you're not on the other side this is not over so i think this episode may be a little bit different today than than it is since this is something that's going on in the moment mm-hmm. uh and it is very stressful i have to tell you it is just i mean it just it's, it's so hard when you're up against these 
these uh, accusations that you have said or done things that you know that you never did and then these things are not true and, and to have your reputation smeared and to have people believe the worst of you because mm-hmm. as we said it seems like it's guilty until proven innocent these days and, and it, it can really sap a lot of energy from you and, and it is really difficult situation now when this situation arose what was your first initial reaction was it sadness anger frustration like what was the first thing that like what is the first thing you felt shock okay shock like i can't believe this is happening like Uh i I would never do that that of all the things to be accused of this is one of the most absurd things like it just doesn't doesn't make logical sense that anyone would say that and then it was indignation like (laughs) this is not true uh and then it was uh sadness because other people seem to have believed this yeah that's the worst and then it was like what do i do because this is a this is a problem well first he called me to help him calm down i did (laughs) that's why it's good to have a good friend to, to speak it out with but you know i've gone through false accusations myself um one job i was at this person accused me of deleting their project off a hard drive. Mm. And that was very, my, my first emotion or reaction was frustration because I was like, how dare you belittle my character to being that petty where I would delete a file. And mind you, this person already did not understand the proper ways of exporting files and already have problems using this special drive. It's not like just a normal drive. It's like kind of like a high tech kind of drive. So he already had problems doing that, (laughs) handling this piece of equipment. And then because it didn't work, he blamed me for erasing it. And like everyone in the office actually believed I was that petty. So I was more frustrated because I was like, first, you're like devaluing my character to being that low. Yeah. And it's to me, it's like you're just you're putting the blame off of yourself and trying to reflect it back on me. So I understand what it means to be falsely accused and having to go through that hard time. It's really upsetting. It, it really is. It was really <laughs> upsetting, especially because um, my boss came and talked to me and was like, interrogating me if I did it and all this kind of stuff. I was just like, I did not touch that drive. I do not. I was like, I don't got time for that. Like, that's not my personality. Like if I, I'm a very straightforward person. Like, you know, if I got something to say, like, I'm not going to, I'm just going to say it to your face. I'm not going to do petty revenge like that. Like, I don't know. I'm too old for that. And then, well, and then when the confrontation happens between the person and authority and you, you have to work on controlling yourself to not make a bad and volatile situation even worse. Very and true. So you have to you have to keep calm and perhaps not say exactly what you really want to say. Yeah. Um, and you have to be collected uh, during these kinds of situations, I think. So Exactly. Uh, what is a false accusation? I mean, that's very straightforward. It is an accusation of wrongdoing that is untrue, according to the dictionary. Uh, but So the question is, why does this happen? And I think one of the things you've just pointed out is it can happen uh, for malicious reasons. Um, somebody you know screwed up, and they don't want to deal with the consequences, so they want to lie, and they blame somebody else to cover up their own poor performance. Exactly. Uh, at best, it could arise out of a misunderstanding that wasn't handled particularly well. Perhaps one party said something he or she considers to be normal and professional, but the other party, you know, believes something else was meant instead. And so 
So perhaps at best, you know, this might arise out of a misunderstanding that, that wasn't handled particularly well, where one party says something he or she considers normal and professional, and the other party believes something else was mm -hmm. meant instead. Maybe they misconstrued it or misinterpreted something, and instead of asking for clarification, they just assume the worst and, and accuse, uh, which I don't think is all that great an idea, to be honest. I think mm -hmm. it's kind of immature. But uh, and, at, and at worst, you know, as you said, out, flat-out lies are made up to intentionally harm another person, which can be due to selfish ambition. Uh, maybe they want to rise above somebody else, so they're mm -hmm. vying for a promotion or something at work, or, or maybe somebody screwed up and they need to cover their own wrongdoing, or, or not need, but they want to cover up their own wrongdoing. Or they wish for revenge against perceived slights, and so they're going to do what they do in order to uh, cause problems. And and I think, you know, the Bible tells us that these things happen. And in Psalm thirty-five twenty, uh, the psalmist writes that they do not speak peaceably, but they devise false accusations against those who live quietly in the land. So, you know, this is what people who are lost they do this. That's a good scripture, you know, that live quietly in the land. Basically, they don't want you to live in peace. And it kind of goes to my reasoning on why this happens is that sometimes I think it's just a spiritual attack. You know, this episode is about, you know, for our Christian brothers and sisters on how to handle if they're dealing with false accusations. So we got to kind of see things from a spiritual sense as well. You know, sometimes it's just the plain on the devil that stirs up people. Uh, you know, just as God uses humans on earth to do good things, the devil uses you know, people on earth to do bad things. And there's nothing more than the devil loves, you know, to upset the Christians or to bother the Christians. And like that scripture says, just, you know, someone who's living quietly, they stir up trouble, who's trying to live peacefully. And sometimes, you know, you know, like you and I, we, you know, we talk, you know, offline and we've talked about how we've had weird things like that just come up ever since we started the podcast. And like, we've had like spiritual attacks and stuff. And, you know, I'll share like, even recently I had to like combat like, a weird spirit of loneliness and depression that came over me. And so sometimes the devil doesn't yeah. wants to stop you in your progression of doing what's right. And that's one of his tactics is to bring up trouble, to stir trouble in your place of work or within the family, or maybe like if you're like belonging to a club or wherever you are, you're bringing these kind of false accusations to, you know, mar your character just to, you know, ruffle your feathers, as they would say. Yeah. So I was talking to a first time listener of this show mm -hmm. uh, and he said something similar when I told him about the situation that I was facing uh, that he thought you and I were doing good work here and that the devil wanted to disrupt that. And so that that particular incident was a spiritual attack and could be. Yeah. You know, the, de the devil does not want God's kingdom or God's people to progress and do the, his work. You know, it's all over scriptures, people like Paul, Daniel, the children of Israel, where they were blamed for something that was false just to stir up troubles for them. And some, you know, sometimes it's just more of a spiritual attack rather than what we see in the physical. And, you know, I had I had found an article from the Open Doors website from October 2020, and it kind of it talks about a story in India of a pastor who was falsely accused and what it cost him. So I'm just going to read a little bit about it, and then I'm just going to summarize all the stuff. Um, and this is written from his perspective, and so um, and it says, you know, I'm a church leader from India. Ignored I ignored warnings to stop sharing Christianity. False charges were brought against him, you know, the, the pastor, and he was arrested and imprisoned. Sadly, his story is not uncommon. Extremists from local communities threatened 
um, by growing numbers, turning to Jesus, often bring false accusations against leaders to cripple church growth. Here, um, I can't pronounce his name. This gentleman or this pastor shares his story, you know, about his imprisonment. And so he says, um, I was organizing a local church program one day um, when policemen appeared and I was forcibly taken to the police station with little explanation. Someone had informed the police about my involvement with the church and sharing about Christianity. False charges had been filed against me, blaming me for converting people to Christianity using fraudulent means. This was not this was not on the only charge, but there was other charges. There's a whole list, and I, I don't want to read it right now to save time. And the guy saying, I knew I was innocent, but also I knew it was extremely difficult to prove it. Two friends from church were also arrested. And so going on in the story, he talks about how he was beaten at in prison every like every day. He was beaten in prison, trying to be interrogated and intimidated. And then they gave him like nasty food, like all his food was all watery and wasn't like anything solid. And then his duties in the prison were to clean the toilets with no proper like, you know, like how we like to wear gloves and like proper utensil, not utensils, but, you know, equipment to clean. He was giving Brushes. like, yeah, he was giving like nothing, but had to perform the duties of cleaning. He, he eventually got out after fighting and fighting and fighting, but it was all based on false accusations. So these things happen to our brothers and sisters in other countries of false accusations taken to the extreme where they are actually facing jail time. And some of them actually face death yeah. based on lies. And, and we've talked about this before on this show about all the persecution that happens in you know, I think you and I are very blessed to be in the United States where we don't face these types of really harsh persecutions. And, and my heart goes out to individuals like this pastor that, mm -hmm. that face this. Um, but they're going to be blessed, I think, at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Blessed is he who suffers for me. They just have to keep the faith. That's the thing. You just have to keep the faith. Yeah. Um, and so with that story, you know, these false accusations can really derail a person's life and their livelihood. And depending uh, and, and the fallout can be really big, as we just saw, you know, prison imprisonment uh, and depending on how skilled the other person is at this deception, you know, these false accusations come at a tremendous price. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, here in the United States, it's mostly personal disgrace, uh, lawsuits, loss of friends, loss of professional opportunity. But in places like India, uh, where, you know, spreading the gospel is illegal, it's things like imprisonment, places in the Middle East and in China, it's death. And, you know, all of these things arise out of a single false accusation. Yeah. Uh, and I think... That at a spiritual level, this can shake one's faith because if all these bad things happen to us, sometimes we can have the tendency to either wonder why we are being punished. Maybe we think there's sin in our life, and mm -hmm. so this is God's way of you know, trying to uh, discipline us for this sin. And we look at things like Jeremiah where God sent uh, the Babylonians to discipline his people for all of their sin and idolatry and all of that. And, uh, you know, people would tell Job the same thing. You know, this is a common belief that people have. Or the other thing that can sometimes happen is that people blame God for allowing bad things to happen. And there was this movie that I watched about these two uh, missionaries who went to Japan. And at the time, uh, Japan was not very welcoming of, of believers. And so these two uh, priests, they were, they were Catholic priests, uh, they faced persecution one of them died for God, and the other one, uh, well, when he had a, an image of Jesus placed on the ground, they told him, you will step on this and ground it into the mud and renounce him, and we'll let you live. And he, unfortunately, 
was not able to resist this. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is, it can be hard. It can be hard. Um, one of the things you said that stood out to me and I never considered is the fact that you can feel like it's a punishment because I never thought about that, that you could feel as though like, you know, what I'm going through right now is a punishment, you know, but, um, you know, I'm trying to stop said keyword trying, trying to stop that. The first thing, every time something goes bad to blame God for it, because, you know, God's the one, you know, how, how are you going to blame God? and then tell God, like, help me, you know, through this. I'm trying to change, change myself to not see God as the starter of problems. And then I need you to solve the problems or whatever. Yes. You know, essentially because God knows all things, he allowed it to happen, but he is not the originator of problems. We have to, we have to remember who's the originator from, for these problems and all that kind of stuff. And that's from the enemy. That's from Satan. And I think now I expect these things to happen. I know that might be kind of morbid, especially for me to say, but I expect these things to happen at this point, especially because of how the culture is moving towards and how everyone's attitudes are moving towards um, Christianity and those who are true Christians who stand on the Bible. Not just, not the Christians who just say, I like Jesus because he says to love others, like real Christians who study the scriptures and who submitted unto him. Um, there's a, there is a difference. Folks. Yeah. There's a huge there difference. difference. And, you know, Alex and I are really into like end times and those topics and discussions. And one of the signs of the end times is a huge persecution that will come against the church, uh, against the body of Christ and talking about how we will face social banishment and even deal with like actual court systems and such things of being like falsely accused of this and falsely accused of that. And I do understand that when it happens, it's going to be shocking. Like, it's going to be shocking and it shakes you because it comes unexpectedly, but always remember like we are in a spiritual war, you know, always remember the grand scheme of things. We're in a spiritual war and whenever you're in battle, one needs to be prepared for every scenario. That is why God wants us to be in his word. That's why God wants us to be knowledgeable and stay built up in him and be ready for anything that comes up. So you're not totally shaken where this destroys and you fall apart like a $2 suit. You need to be built up and be ready for any kind of spiritual attack or any kind of disruption that the devil might bring and just be ready for anything. I think it can be hard to imagine this, though, uh, especially in the United States and Europe, where we have experienced a large degree of religious freedom. And nobody wants to think that their country is going down this road of oppression and tyranny with evil people running the show. And I think it is extremely hard to prepare for that because we just haven't known this. And, I get that. And I think there are so many people who are checked out. Like, and, and I will hear Christians talk about, oh, we shouldn't get uh, uh, involved in the governmental process, political process, what have you. And they are like missing the signs mm-hmm. potentially. And, and so I think it is going to be a big shock should this happen one day. And, Maybe not to us. I think you and I are more, you know, we're aware of these things and, and we look at what is going on and try to draw attention to some of these things. But uh, I just, I think nobody wants to think that they're going to be put in this situation. I know nobody wants to think about it, but to me, we have to be ready for this. I, I get so frustrated when I see so many Christians who live their lives with their head in the sand. It's like, focus like do you not see what's going on around you you can't live in la la land like we're in a full-on spiritual battle and you know before as we were getting ready for the show i was talking to you i was watching youtube videos and that were talking about judgment day like yeah i don't think people really remember 
you are going to have to stand before God and give an account for your life. Like, take a moment, Selah, and think about that. Like, you are going to have to stand before the King of Kings, the the King of all creation, and give an account for your life. Everything you did, everything you said, everything you thought of, that's, you're going to have to give an account for that. And people live in la-la land and think, oh, just God loves me and I don't have to do anything to get prepared for that. And, you know, I know we're kind of going off topic, but just the thing of just being prepared for for the things that God says. And this blows my mind. And I was just listening listening it to us in a sermon, but it's true. And it was a great revelation. God means what he says. When God says, like, be ready, be, you know, expect these things, you can bank on it. That that is a serious warning of be ready. These things are going to happen. Judgment day is going to come. The church is going to face persecution. You will be lied about. You will be talked about. If they did it to me, the son of God, you as my subjects are going to face the same thing. And so I think we just live in this la-la land, especially those in the U.S., because like you said, we haven't gone through these things. So we live in la-la land. And, you know, like I'm grateful that I have not experienced such pressure but I have already trained my mind in a sense of if I have to go down this route or if I'm going to have to deal with this pressure, Lord, build me up to be ready. Like, like if this is what I'm going to have to face in 10 years, 20 years, let's start now to prepare me to make sure I do not fall. I want to be ready and not live in this la-la land. And I, you know, I actually have one friend. He's Christian on he's Christian based on Facebook religious title, but his living, that's a whole other um, question. And I remember one, we just had this conversation about faith and he basically said, I don't want to know too much because um, I like living with my head in the sand. So can't can't do that. So yeah, can't do that. Uh, And, and the truth is uncomfortable sometimes. It really is. Um, And you're right. We need to be prepared. And we, I think we've talked a little bit on this show about how to, do that a little bit, but but it is just still hard because can I'm you, not saying it's can easy. You really prepare for things that are completely unexpected. Like I, mean, I don't know. I guess you can always see warning signs of these. Some of these. What happened to me? That that false accusation was totally unexpected. Mm-hmm. Completely, there was absolutely no way I could have possibly prepared for that. It came out of left field, mm-hmm. and it made absolutely no logical sense in my mind either. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. I, th- I think some things maybe you can see and start preparing, but for others of them, there's just no way. Mm-hmm. There's just no way. And then I guess you fall on God in that uh, scenario. But we'll talk a little bit about how to you know, continue with life in the face of false accusations a little later. But first, I want to talk about our response to false accusations. And, and I think we touched on this a bit. In the moment, I think, is shock and disbelief. Uh, may- maybe not potentially disbelief if you kind of maybe know that you're not uh, on good terms with somebody. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's not such a surprise, but it, but it can be you know, very shocking. Um, I think then, at least in my case, Kim's wrath, just an intense anger that this is, that this is happening, that these lies are being spread about somebody. Uh, possibly you go through self-doubt, mm-hmm. you know, maybe, and then sometimes you might think, or, or maybe after thinking about this more, maybe, you know, maybe I did do something wrong. I don't know, you know, could I have done this? It can be uh, not good if you, you know, are constantly questioning yourself like that. Certainly fear of the future comes in. And we talked about that on this <laughs> yeah. show a lot. That always comes up in most of our topics, fear the fear of the, of the future. future. Yep. Uh, and I think then, uh, you know, it could, 
lead to an erosion of trust in other people. You know, you don't know who who to trust, who to think about, uh, who to consider allies and friends now. You know, who who did this, who made this accusation. Sometimes you can tell, other times you can't. Uh, and if this is not checked, you know, then comes resentment mm-hmm. at, at, that you're facing this, and then, then finally hatred and bitterness towards all the people who are involved, and obviously that's not good. Yeah, it can make you kind of jaded, uh, you know, yes. jaded towards people, because, you know, what's coming to my mind, I'm just remembering, you know, around 15, 16 years old, I stepped up and ran the ushering department at my church, and there was this huge drama that happened with this one couple, and they accused me of being like, a dictator and like being like you know in over my head and all this kind of stuff like they just spread really nasty things about me because I was young and I just stepped up to help in this department and it made me very jaded with people because eventually they left it made me never like not want to meet new people coming in because I was just kind of like I can't trust you because I don't know what drama or whatever you're going to bring towards me like I can't get close to you and stuff so that really stuck out stuck out to me when you brought that up about like our response could yeah, be. Could be. Uh, and as we talked a little bit earlier, sometimes people will blame God for these types of things, but that that can't be the response. As you said before on this show, uh, evil happens because of the enemy. I would also add it happens because of the free will of men. Yeah. They choose evil over good. Uh, and I think as far as our response is, you know, we can be indignant at false accusations, you know, righteous anger, but we can't give in to the sin or the hate or the vengeance. So I can't fight them and use my Muay Thai skills? No, I don't think you can fight them. Uh, not in that arena. But I think uh-huh. I think there are other ways to fight and respond uh, in a righteous way against these types okay. of things, um, which we'll talk a little bit about later. Mm-hmm. Um, so now we're going to discuss how do we walk in the face of false accusations. And now I just want to do a little disclaimer, whatever you want to say. I want to emphasize that this is for those people who are facing false accusation. And I want to emphasize the false part. You know, if you've done something wrong and you know you've done something and, you know, don't just try to cover it up. You know, I think some people try to hide, you know, from their own consequences. You know the scripture that says you reap what you sow. Yes. My aunt always makes the joke of I'm praying for a crop failure. always you always would make the joke of i'm praying for a crop failure because i do not want to reap the consequences from that behavior or whatever and so i think sometimes we deceive ourselves and think because you know god's a god of love and he's a god of mercy that absolves us of consequences for our actions and that's what we want eternal consequences maybe yeah but Uh, not physical ones in this world necessarily exactly i mean yeah if i mean if you're a liar and everyone knows that you're a liar you know god forgives you but yet your brothers and sisters the people around you they're not going to trust you just that quick like they're not going to switch you know what i'm saying there's consequences and you know we we want to avoid those consequences and stuff and just have them swept under the rug but you know if you've done something wrong it's best to admit and own up to it as a child of god and just be a person of integrity but these tips are for people who are falsely accused i just want to emphasize that falsely accused you know i think that's that is good it is for falsely accused people and i i'm in agreement with Dave. and if you did do wrong you need to admit this you need to confess that to god you need to do uh, something to make that right mm-hmm. um, uh, so but this is for people as i even said who are falsely accused so i think one uh and again, I'm dealing with this now, so I can't really tell you if this is going to make things better. But this is what I am reminding myself He's of. He's not on the victory side yet. Not on the victory side. I'm still in the storm. 
but I, I'm working on these things to try and, and help to deal with this a little bit. So uh, the first thing I remind myself of is that God knows the truth. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, God explicitly warns against making false accusations against others in the Ten Commandments. He says, do not bear false witness against your neighbor. So clearly this is something he considers to be very serious. And the good news is he knows that you did not do what you're accused of. And, and I think there can be comfort found in that. And in fact, those who make false accusations are held under God's judgment. And so in Psalm 5, 6, the psalmist writes, you destroy those who tell lies, speaking of God. The bloodthirsty and deceitful you, Lord, detest. So God doesn't like people who are lying. He doesn't like people who are slandering others and bringing false witness against others. And our job is to be blameless before him in the midst of all of this. As Psalm uh, 119, 69 through 70 tells us, it says, Though the arrogant have smeared me with lies, the psalmist says, mm-hmm. I keep your, that's God, precepts with all my heart and their hearts are callous and unfeeling but i delight in your laws we need to continue to live a righteous life even in the face of all of this and then furthermore jesus tells us in matthew that when people lie against us because of him and this is what has happened in india i said that he was going to be blessed and this is why because our reward in heaven is great and so jesus says in matthew 5 11 12 blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you and that is something to really just remember we are not living in this world we are aliens living in a foreign country our country is in heaven we have Mm -hmm. to keep that in mind i know that it is hard it's hard for me uh in the moment uh, and that's why it's so important to be in scriptures you can find you know encouragement and promises like this and so i think just remembering god knows the truth he knows that you're innocent of this that's important for you know, this this section of God knows the truth, I'm gonna this isn't in my notes, but this is coming to me. And this is for those who might try to be the accuser. You need to make sure if you're going to accuse somebody of something, you need to make sure you're not falsely accused somebody because God knows the truth. Don't give in with the crowd and whoever might be pressuring you. I don't know what kind of reasons you might be pressured to lie on somebody and come against somebody. I know sometimes at work, there could be like someone who's ostracized because the in crowd or the clique doesn't like them. You as the Christian should not fall into the trap and accuse whoever because you know the others don't like them of false lies and spread rumors and all these things about that because remember, God knows the truth. God knows and sees what's going on. So you're, you know, you might be able to deceive people. You might be able to um, trick people, but always remember God knows the truth. And um, as I always like to say, God has your number because God will judge that. As uh, I said, the psalmist says, God destroys those who tells lies. Yeah. God doesn't like lies. Like, and then you wouldn't want that done to you. You wouldn't want false accusations done to you. And God, you know, in the Old Testament, when God gave laws and all that kind of stuff, he was very adamant about that, of like not treating those who are on the lower levels of the social or kind of like, you know, economy. I mean, you know, Socioeconomic status. Exactly. He was like, you treat them fairly as you would the rich person or the popular person. You treat every person with dignity. So those out there who um, you might be in the in crowd or whatever it is, you make sure you're not spreading false accusations of a person just for your own benefit, and you be careful not to do that as well. But the point I wanted to bring out was the scripture in First Peter 2.23. It says, when they hurled, in, 
hurled their insults at him, speaking of Jesus, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges fairly. Jesus went through being falsely accused himself. Jesus, Jesus stood trial of people hurling insults and you know lies about him and his and people he had just helped and probably healed and all that kind of stuff i'm sure jesus was standing there just like i helped your cousin last week didn't it I literally was like that if you look in and well there we have more specific scriptures about this later on in this show but in if you know about the the holy week jesus goes in to jerusalem on palm sunday mm-hmm. and they're all waving their palm trees and they're all saying hosanna praise god in the highest week later they murdered him yeah how they flipped on him i'm sure jesus was looking at that crowd like didn't i heal you yesterday i healed your daughter of an evil spirit like two days ago <laughs> like just the mind blowing of that and but it says that jesus didn't make a threat he didn't insult them he didn't do anything and here he is he had all power in his hand because he even said to um what was it peter saying if i if i wanted to i can bring down legions of angels down here at yeah, my beckoning call. Peter, Peter cut the ear off the servant of the chief priest who had come to arrest mm-hmm. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. so that was what, what was in Jesus' hand. But he was confident and trusted in God to be the one to defend him and to determine righteously in his situation because you can't trust man to do it because man can get jaded. Man can, you know, lie on you and get, you know, manipulated or whatever. He knew God would handle it and he would handle it right. We need not to, we need um, not only that's... We need not only that same level of faith, but we need that same level of peace in our lives to know that God is going to take care of the situation and he will judge it right. And you talked about Jesus being on trial, so I think we'll skip to down a little bit to the point that makes the most sense to piggyback off that, which is forgive those who did you wrong. Okay. So in the midst of this, don't let your anger fester. Don't let it cause you to sin. As Romans 12, 18, 19, 18 to 19 states, if possible, Paul says, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we should not be seeking to avenge ourselves. We should let God do that for us. And in Matthew 27, you know, we talked about Jesus himself falsely accused by the Jews of blasphemy, but he didn't give in to rage and he didn't curse them. And instead he said... Uh, on the cross, you know, after they'd crucified him, which is like one of the most painful ways to possibly die. Uh, Lord, forgive them for they know not what they do. Mm-hmm. And that's in Luke 23. So Jesus can forgive people who murdered him. You know, we, we can't do any less than that ourselves. And so. you know, when you forgive someone, you're now releasing it. You're releasing it from you and giving it to God. You're now saying like, I'm not going to hang on to this issue. I'm letting you God handle it. And when you hold on to that anger and that bitterness, you're you're just you're you're blocking God from moving because He's not going to move because you're hanging on to it. You really have to release it in that forgiveness of saying, God, I leave it in Your hands, and I'm not going to avenge myself. You deal with it. I trust in You that You will judge righteously on how to handle this. And we've talked on this show about how if you allow unforgiveness to fester, it can become wrath, and it can twist you into becoming the very thing that you're you're not. You don't like, like mm-hmm. you, you can lie against that person. All of a sudden you could do worse to that person and you've become the very thing you were supposed to be against. Yeah. You can't let unforgiveness just fester like this. This is really, really destructive for a believer. And it's something I think the devil delights in. Yeah. Uh, so we got to be careful. Uh, another thing that I have found is that 
I have to be in constant prayer mm-hmm. uh, while dealing with this situation. I have found that I need to be in constant communication with God throughout this situation, meaning prayer. Uh, and if I am not communing with him on a daily basis, I unfortunately find myself going down the path of wrath and fear. Uh, and obviously, of course, this is sinful. Uh, and we've talked about that a lot on the show. So it is extremely important to, to center myself through prayer every single day while going through this situation. And, that, and you know, you talked about the church not being for these kinds of things happening to them and it does seem in the center of the storm you do find yourself drawing closer to god yeah uh, certainly because you have nowhere else to you have nowhere else to go all you could do is go to god and i want to say in those prayers you need to pray for your enemies because jesus says to pray for your enemies and i know it's very hard to pray for them even the the person at the job who brought the false accusation against me about erasing their stuff on the hard drive. I had to pray for them because I, even my prayer was like, Lord, help this person because he's crazy. Like, <laughs> But the thing is to understand, here's kind of the shift in a perspective for you to see. When someone messes with a Christian, they're messing with a child of God. You know, we're called like an, ambas- an ambassador for heaven. And in God's mind, that's a very serious thing to mess with a child, like his children and his people. And I think, at least for me, I'll speak for myself. I think sometimes I have a warped perception in thinking that God doesn't get so upset when someone does something wrong to me. Like, you know, God loves me and God loves his people and God, you know, is going to stand behind his people. And the Bible says, touch not my anointed. You know, there's several scriptures where God like protected those, you know, who were under him and those who submitted themselves into them. So um, you should pray for your enemies because they are acting out of ignorance against you, a Christian, a child of God. This is why Jesus said, forgive them for they know not what they do. Exactly. They don't realize the situation they are putting themselves under. And, you know, they don't know the consequences that are awaiting for them for persecuting a Christian. And I remember one um, pastor that was talking about, like, in the earthly realm, when, you know, we have an ambassador or someone who's in diplomacy, if anything ever happens to them, like the full weight of the government backs them up of yes. if something ever happened to them. The same yes. thing with us as children of God, we're called ambassadors for Christ. Anyone messes with us, we get they got the full weight of the kingdom of God coming to our you know, coming to our rescue. So that is why Jesus says to pray for them because they don't realize what they're doing. And you know, I think of Stephen when he was being killed under the false pretenses. Um, he prayed that God would not lay those charges against them. He was saying, God, forgive them. Don't lay these murder charges and these these lies against them because they don't realize what they're doing. Don't hold this against them. And that takes that takes maturity. That takes time. It does. And it's not something that you just zoom to. No. Uh, honestly, you know, when I first started praying for you know, my enemies, it made me sick <laughs> at first. Oh, my goodness. Oh, it made me feel sick. <laughs> It's hard. It's well, hard. Okay, so let's. what are you praying when you pray for your enemies? What are you praying? Because some people think when you say you're praying for your enemies, you're praying for, praying for them to receive blessings, which I don't think is necessarily true. I pray that they will come to know God. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's my prayer for them, mm-hmm. that they would come to experience God in some way. Well, I'll, I'll share like with this person that was at my job that had, come against me with false pretenses as I kind of like learn more about him and learn more like the background of him. My prayers for him grew a little bit because I was praying like, not only do you 
forgive him for coming against me, but Lord, I pray that you open up his eyes that he might see you and that you are the answer to all these problems that he's, because I learned that he had a lot of things going on in his life and, you know, had a lot of drama and all this kind of stuff. I said, Lord, why don't I pray that you heal him and that you reveal yourself to him, that he might heal and become the person that you have purposed him to be and all those kind of things. You know, I'm not praying for him to get a million dollars or a car or anything like that. I'm praying for his eyes and spiritual eyes to be opened and awakened to start that relationship with God, just to start the ball rolling. So those are the things I pray for for my enemies, Amen. even though it's hard. It can be hard. Uh, now, I this may be controversial. We're going to see. I do not think you have to be idle in the face of false accusations, especially if they're derailing your professional life. Uh, I think you need to prayerfully consider the options, but I do not think you can be, you don't, you don't need to be afraid to use legal means to push back. Okay. And defend yourself. I think you do what you can, you know, you can consult with lawyers or what have you, if the situation's affecting you at work or somebody has come against you and then cost you, you know, your job or caused a lawsuit to be filed against you. you know, I think you should be able to, uh, Use the legal system to mm-hmm. defend yourself. I don't think there's anything sinful with that. And I think then, you know, you do what you can, and then you trust God to do the rest. And Exodus 14, 14 says that the Lord will fight for you. You have only to be silent. And in Isaiah 54, 17, the uh, Bible says, No weapon forged against you will prevail, and you will refute every tongue that accuses you. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and this is their vindication from me, declares the Lord. And... That is very encouraging, mm-hmm. definitely, as is Romans 8.30, which states if he is for us, who can be against us? It's another really encouraging passage. Uh, but I think, again, it's important to do these things righteously, legally, mm-hmm. not vengeance, but uh, you are, I think, able to use legal means to defend yourself from these types of false allegations. Yeah, I totally agree. Um I agree with that completely. Um, kind of like when you were going through your issue, um, I brought this up because I think it's encouraging for people to realize this as two is go through it. Um, um, I don't want Christians to always have the first instinct to like dodge it or try to run away right, from it. Right, yes. You told me a lot about this. <laughs> I, <laughs> because I only say that because I had to go through it. Like, I had to go through it. And I've shared many times from my different experiences in life where I had the opportunities to run and God told me, don't run. We're going to stay right here. Like we're going to go through this. And sometimes when trouble arises, we just want to run and, you know, avoid it. But I think, especially if you're growing through maturity and even if you're not pushing, you know, sometimes God is trying to push us to that next level of maturity in him. And these hard things are what pushes us to that point. Paul and the apostles went through persecutions. Daniel went through being framed and went through being in the lion's den. Joseph went through being portrayed and being falsely accused of of, um, sleeping with Potiphar's wife. He went through that and it cost him going to jail and he went through that. And when we are waiting to see God's deliverance, he does not always choose to save us from having to deal with it, you know, you, you know, you might have to deal with, you know, going to the principal's office or go through the whole thing of going to trial, possibly, you know, God wants, you know, there's a reason of, you know, God trying to build you up to trust in him in a deeper level of going through it. And sometimes he chooses for you to go through the problem. Sometimes he doesn't always block the problem 
um, from ever happening. You know, the true glory of being a citizen of the kingdom of the kingdom of God is having God in our lives is not the absence of problems, but that we don't crack under the pressures of it. But in him, we're able to stand and we go through it like the parable about the house on the rock. I like that parable. That's one of my favorite parables, you know, that the comparison between the one on the rock and the one on the sand was the one on the sand fell away. They both faced storms, but the one on the rock was able to stand. It went through some stuff. It probably has some scratches on the, the front door or, you know, had some dents from the storm beating against the house and all that stuff. But the thing is, it didn't crack under the pressure. So don't be afraid to go through something because running away isn't always isn't always the option because one thing I know about God, you might run from that one. You'll turn the corner. God be like, okay, here's that same test. We're not going to the next level until we go through this test where you learn how to trust in me in a deeper way because God's ultimate goal for all his people is to mature in him. He wants us to reach our best. And it's not so much that God is the author behind it, but he's using it for you to go to the next level. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you can look at Joseph who became the second in command of Egypt because he didn't shrink away from all of this. And, you know, God did this for a purpose, and it was so that he could save his people one day and be in that position. Daniel survived the lion's den. He became, uh, you know, one of these highly respected advisors for the Persian king. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. He went through it, and I know I know it's hard. I know it's hard in the moment. <laughs> I know it's hard in the moment, but we we're gonna have to we're gonna have to learn to push through those hard times to reach to that mature level that God is calling us to. So I think we're short on time here, so we yeah. gotta gotta wrap up. So you know, I'm still going through all this situation, so I can't tell anyone how long it takes to overcome you know these false accusations. I will tell you, it feels like a lifetime. <laughs> Uh, but we have to remember that greater is he than the one in the world, and we live for him and not ourselves, and we can only trust that he has our good at heart and do what we can to refute these things and then leave the rest to him. In the end, God does prevail. And, you know, there are a lot of stories in the Bible about this, but I think the one about false accusations getting overcome was in Esther, where Haman, who's a servant of the king of Persia, and he's, you know, not a Jew, he accused Mordecai, who was a Jew, of, uh, falsely of these trumped up charges to the king and Mordecai was going to be executed. But then Esther, who was a servant of God, proved Haman to be a liar. Yeah. And it was Haman who lost his life because of his evil and Mordecai was raised up and rewarded by the king. So that's some more encouragement that, that God does fight for those who are standing in him in the truth. Exactly. So I hope our listening audience enjoyed listening to this episode of The Paradigm Switch. We are the number one Christian podcast on earth, and we are heaven's favorite podcasters. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. Like, follow, and share. It's time we learn how to think right side up, and we want to empower modern-day believers to engage the culture to be a positive and effective influence on the earth that God has given to us. So together, let's be agents of change that we are called to be. And next week, we are going to discuss the importance of imagination. Imagination.